0: Uh, if you came in, uh, if you came in, you came in evidently. Um, so if you did you get one of these. So uh, just, uh, I just did this in the first service, but I want to read through this to you and then we'll, we'll get in the word. And this is something uh, that I think is just really from the heart of God. I believe it's something that we've we've been praying for our city, our state, our president, our nation uh, every Wednesday uh, since the beginning of the year. And I believe things like this are signs of of just the word working, prayer working. And as you can see, it says Fort Worth Proclamation. So this isn't from a church. This is from the city of Fort Worth. And it says this, whereas the COVID-19 pandemic had brought illness and death to many residents of Fort Worth, and whereas the COVID-19 pandemic has caused great economic harm, putting people out of work, closing businesses, and bringing hunger and hardship to many residents of Fort Worth, And whereas the COVID-19 pandemic interrupted the education of the children in Fort Worth and put our educators at risk, and whereas the COVID-19 continues to spread throughout Fort Worth, and whereas the best human efforts have not yet found a cure, and, now start listening to this, whereas throughout the history of Fort Worth, the state of Texas, and our nation, people have turned to God in prayer to bring healing and deliverance where human efforts have failed. And whereas August 19th, 2020, shall be designated Pray Fort Worth Day, a day of prayer for the eradication of COVID-19 from the city of Fort Worth. And whereas residents of Fort Worth are encouraged to pray in place, whether at home, at work, or at school, at the noon hour on August 19th, 2020. And whereas houses of faith are encouraged, that would be us, are encouraged to ask their people, that you, uh, people to pray wherever they are at noon on August nineteenth, twenty twenty, and whereas all are encouraged to unite in prayer, humbling, asking God to eradicate COVID nineteen and heal Fort Worth. You see that scripture, Chronicles seven fourteen says, if we would turn from our ways, right, and we would pray for our land, our land would be healed, right. Then it says this, and I love this. Now, to me, it just is exciting because this is. This is from the government, a governmental institution. It says, whereas let us also rededicate ourselves to bringing healing to the sick, comfort to the brokenhearted, help to the needy, wisdom to our children, hope to the hopeless and unity to the city of Fort Worth. Wow. Now, therefore, the city of Fort Worth does hereby proclaim Wednesday, August 19th, 2020 as pray Fort Worth Day. And then it says, in testimony whereof we have heretofore set our hands and caused the official seal of the city of Fort Worth, Texas, to be affixed this 19th day of August A.D. 2020. And what I love is every single council member, mayor, and city manager signs it. You know, this is what we would call what Dr. Zavell preached about is a prayer petition. Amen. Amen. That to me, this is this is so awesome. So I want to encourage you. Uh, we're going to open our doors on uh, on Wednesday. Uh, doors will be open by eleven forty five. You can come here if you have the ability to and and join us in, in praying from twelve to one. And like I guess if you don't have the ability to do that, go to your car and pray, pray in your pray in your workplace, wherever, wherever you are. But on Wednesday, we'll send out a we'll send out an email reminder Wednesday morning just to remind you. Uh, but I encourage you. Let let's let unite in prayer. Amen. Prayer changes things. Amen. And not only that, but the city of, of the Fort Worth has given now the spiritual leaders of Fort Worth a platform to use our authority in this situation. Amen. Amen. So so I think it's a, just an awesome opportunity. Uh, so make yourself available to that this Wednesday at noon or wherever you are or up here or wherever you're up to pray. Amen. Hallelujah. This is also a Thrive Group weekend. So I encourage all our Thrive Group leaders, if you can stand. It's the third, uh, it's the third weekends of the month, man. Awesome. Awesome. Tom, Tom's back there on the camera. And so you have Jeremiah and Jessica, raise your hands. They're a new group that just, just now starting. And also we have Brad and Marty are a new group as well, and, and their main target is for um, 18 to 30s and target, and, and so you, I mean, you don't have to be 18 to 30 just to go to those groups, but you, you can go to any of the groups, but but encourage you to get connected. Uh, we have Jim and Patty, uh, Vic and Rochelle, we got Tony and Rhonda Jordan, uh, we got Bill and Lynn Parker. And then we have Jeremy and, uh, J- Jeremy and Kitty over here, um, are, um, they're, they're, uh, standing in for Art and Rose this week. So, so make yourself available. They'll be out in the lobby, uh, and you can connect with them to get in for more information. Also, Jenny and Levy, I'm sorry, I forget that raise your hands as well. They're back there. They, they have a group as well. So, and there's Teresa. So you all can be seated. It's a great opportunity for discipleship. We are a church family. Uh, we're not a convention center. <laughs> We're not a convention center. We're a church. We're a church family. Amen. And, and so I encourage you get, get plugged in to the church family and don't just come on Sunday mornings. If that's all you come because of work, I understand, but, but get connected to the family. Amen. You know, Acts chapter two, 42 through 47, it said they continued in the apostles doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and they went house to house. So it's a, it's small groups are an important part of discipleship. Amen. Amen. We ready to get in the word. So you may uh, you may want to go back and listen to the first service because I'm probably not going to preach what I did, at least all of it in the first service. So uh, you can go back and listen to that. But uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ezekiel chapter 37. During worship, um, things shifted a little bit. So um, just uh just going to follow uh, my heart, the Holy Spirit. I'd rather you. I'd rather follow him than try to follow myself. <laughs> being dependent upon God. Thank you, Father. Yeah. While you're turning there, I'll just share a few things. Just a reminder. Just some things that Rick was saying. And just during this, during, well, during worship, I just just kept hearing this phrase: just just being dependent, being dependent upon God. Dependent upon God, uh, my my role as your pastor in in, in the, the last weeks. So I believe this is the sixth week. I've talked about this, but talking about revival, and you know, revival is a is is not a it's not a Christian cliche word. It's not a three day meeting somewhere. It, it's it's about transformation. It's about it's about God intersecting with humanity. And bringing about transformation, it's not it's not pursuing a a particular meeting. It's not pursuing a an event. It's about pursuing Him. And as you pursue Him, He always shows up. As the Word says, "You call to Him, He'll answer, and He'll show you great and mighty things." So, so when God shows up, things change. Things happen. That's why it's so important for for us to solidify in our hearts what Romans 8, 6 says. And I've talked about this scripture a lot through the weeks. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's where we as believers need to rest our faith on. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. So what are you focusing on? What are you, what's getting your attention? What are you running towards? Where are you getting your information, your news? Different. What's happening on the inside of you? Because because if you listen to one aspect of things, is it giving you, is it bringing fear? Is it bringing, or is it bringing peace? See, between those things are really going to determine what I'm really leaning towards. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Am I looking at this from a natural standpoint or are I looking at this from God's standpoint? We we can't focus. We can't place our focus on everything that we see, because if you focus everything that you see, you will live in constant discouragement, fear, you'll be overwhelmed trying to figure out how to do this, what to do, where to go. You know, if you place all your, your, isn't it comes to, even it comes to parenting, if you place all your strength on your ability to, to, to parent, you're, you're going to be frustrated because you, are going to see, well, how come they didn't do that? How come they're not doing this? How come they're not doing that? I've, I've taught them this. I've told them this and, and these things. And you can be frustrated at that. Why? Because you can't focus totally on the natural. We have to live out of the, our spirit man, so to speak. You know, last week I I, I talked about the whole importance of revival is the fact that understanding that God wants to dwell with us. So let's look at this scripture. And they shall, verse 25, and they shall dwell in the land that I have given unto Jacob, my servant, wherein your fathers have dwelt. And they shall dwell therein, even they and their children and their children's children forever forever. And my servant David shall be their prince forever, and it's a prophecy about Jesus being the Messiah. Verse twenty six. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them. And this is what Rick was just talking about. Covenant. It's agreement. This is this 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 blessing. This coming a blessing. Here, Ezekiel's prophesying, and he calls it a covenant of peace. Now, this covenant of peace is, is, is not a, a something where there's void of storms. See, you can have peace even in the midst of a storm. Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat with his head on a pillow when there was storm and there was water filling their boat, but yet Jesus was asleep. See, peace is not feeling tranquil or the void of difficulty, but rather when we talk about God's peace, his peace is actually the power that produces a calm. You see, when Jesus stood up and said, peace, be still. He said that from a position because we know he was full of grace and truth, meaning he was full of the word of God and he was full of he was full of the power of God. So when he stood up and said, peace, be still peace, caused the storm to be calm. So we have, according to this, a covenant of peace. And this word is what we know as being shalom. And it has nothing to do with the the not having a a mountain standing in front of you. Peace. Look what Billy Brim would said years ago about defining this word in the, in the Hebrew, meaning nothing missing, nothing broken. Nothing missing, nothing broken. You have, we have been, been given through Jesus, Messiah, a covenant of peace. A covenant of Peace. And he says this. Hmm. Thank you, Father. Moreover, I will make a covenant of peace with them, and it shall be what? An everlasting covenant. That means a covenant without end. A covenant that doesn't have a time frame. There's no expiration date on this covenant, it's a covenant of peace. The, a covenant of peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. How right, about you? How many, how many, there's some area of your life you need peace. Uh, <laughs> you can be interactive. You know, if I had handed the microphone around to different people, we would all have hear different things of, of where we need to have peace. But one, we have to have a realization and understanding that no matter where I am, God has given me a covenant of peace. So also, when you see a covenant, and with this particular covenant, we see a description with it. So when I'm seeing this covenant, I'm also seeing God's desire for me. That it's his desire for me to know peace. To experience peace. I believe a revival. Isn't necessarily something that could be classified as something that's wild wild and crazy. But it's something that comes in and brings peace. That transforms how you think. What you think about. The direction that you're headed in your life. We need peace. Jesus said, my peace, I leave with you. My peace, I leave with you. Not as the world gives. So, I mean, I can't classify this kind of peace based on the world's definition of it. Because the world doesn't know it, the world doesn't have it. And if the world doesn't know it and the world doesn't have it, the world can't give it. So why would I try to find and place all my apples in a system that has failed year after year after year after year after year after year after year? year. And yet, how often do we try to go to a world system instead of living out of God's system? It's an everlasting covenant with them, and I will place them. And multiply them. So what does this covenant do? It says it places them, it multiplies them, and I will set my sanctuary in the midst of them. And we dealt with this last week. I love how God says, he doesn't say, I'm going to place them in my sanctuary. He says, I'm going to place my sanctuary in them. Oh, God wants to dwell with you. God wants to be a bigger part of your life. He wants to be a bigger part of your picture. He wants to be a bigger part of your future. You see, understanding that, that this covenant of peace and the one that made this covenant, He's going to place me. He's going to multiply me. And not only that is He is going to be on my team. He says, my tabernacle. Shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people and the heathen shall know that I'm the Lord do sanctify Israel when when mean the world will recognize something when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them. Let's go to Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. This covenant of peace. You could say, Pastor Justin, I've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Lift your hands. Then you have this covenant that I'm talking about. It's rightfully yours. It's rightfully yours. So let's, let's not... Try to get all our strength and energy and peace from a world system. See, John the Baptist said this. He said, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this isn't necessarily meaning you need to go and, and remember all the sins that you committed for the last 20 years. No, this is you need to turn around. You need to go in a new direction because there's a new system coming. There's a new way of thinking. There's a new way of living. There's a new way of being. So John the Baptist is saying, Hey, get ready guys. Repent. You've been walking this way according to this Babylonian system for all these years. Now it's time for you to repent. Turn around. Why? Because there's a new kingdom coming. And the, and, and the apostle Paul to the church in Romans, he says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, And joy in the Holy Ghost. You know what the kingdom of God is? It's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy. If you, if you, if you've been tormented by anything other than, you have other things than those three things flowing in your life, then you're trying to feed on the wrong kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if other things are controlling you, Tormenting you, whether it be addictions, whether it be your identity, how you see yourself, then what happens is you're trying to get strength from the kingdom that you're not meant to live in. And that's what, what I, I see believers and I see the, I see the world, I see so many things are trying to live in this kingdom over here, but yet, yet they're still floundering. Yes, there's no life. There's no strength. We have a covenant of peace. And his desire is to place a sanctuary in the midst of us. Let's look at verse 42 of Exodus 29. Did you find it? It says, this shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations at the door of the tabernacle. So be after this offering, this for your generations at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, where I will meet with you to speak there unto you. You know, God wants to meet with you. On. Not only that, but He wants to speak to you. Yeah. Uh, Brother Jesse, Jesse plans wrote a book years ago talking about you know, um, was it ha- having a converse- conversations with God, wanting a God I could talk to. Helen, God wants God wants to meet with you. Verse 43, and there I will meet, there, there, in this place, in this place I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar. I will sanctify also Aaron and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. And I will dwell among the children of Israel and will be their God. And I will dwell among the children of Israel. I'll dwell among God's people, and I will be their God. He wants to be your God. He just doesn't want you to call him Lord. He wants him to be, he wants for you to make him Lord. It's not just saying he's Lord, but is he Lord? I will dwell among, I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will be their God. Their God, personal. Personal. Then it says this, and they shall know, they shall know, they will have firsthand experience. Where if you see the word know within scripture, lack of a better term to be able to describe this word is where we would get our word intercourse from. And it's the intermingling of two lives. It's not just having an idea about God. It's not just, just, just having your mama knowing about God. It's not just you coming to church and it's great that your pastor might know God, but they, they shall know that you, that you personally would have firsthand Revelation and understanding of God for yourself personally. Yes. And they shall know that I am the Lord their God that brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. The land of Egypt. What does Egypt represents? It represents a place of bondage. It represents a place of difficulty. It represents a place of struggle. So he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt that, meaning there was a purpose and there was a reason behind it, that I may dwell among them. There was a purpose. And the purpose was not just to take them out of Egypt just so they could be free. He took them out of Egypt that, that, that I may dwell among them. I don't know about you, but there was a time in my life, 27 years ago, I was in my own Egypt. I was in my own Egypt. I was in bondage to addictions. I was in bondage to lust. I was in bondage to to a lot of different things in the natural. And it was, it was from that point that God, God pulled me. When I made Jesus the Lord of my life, it was bring me out of Egypt, not so I could say one day I'm going to heaven. Don't cheapen salvation. Salvation isn't our get out of hell free card. It's it, it, It's so much more than that. He, he drew them out of Egypt. He took them out of bondage. And the main purpose was that he could dwell with them, that God could have a God could be personal with them, that that they didn't have to that they didn't have to. Oh, thank you, Father. And we see it even in the New Testament where 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 Jesus became that sacrifice for us. He pulled them out of Egypt so he could dwell with them. It it wasn't so they could come out of the promised land and then create Egypt somewhere else. It wasn't to bring them out of Egypt to all of a sudden now we could be in bondage to the Syrians. Okay, God frees us from the Syrians and then okay, let's go. He brought them out of the bond of the Syrians and now they're in bondage to the Babylonians. So the purpose was never to free them so, so they could, so, so they could just say, hey, uh, uh, we're gods. No, the whole purpose was so they could be free, so they could remain free, but it came down to the fact that God wanted to dwell with them. He set you free from your Egypt so you, so he could dwell with you, so he could be a part of your life. And I, I and what was just changing within my heart during worship was the fact that we have to become and we have to lean on and I think of lean I put you put pressure on putting all your weight I just putting all your weight on something putting all your weight on this covenant of peace putting all your weight on the God that took you out of Egypt so he could dwell with you We have to be dependent upon him. Go to Psalm 65. Go to Psalm 65. Mm.
1: Thank you, Father.
0: Thank you, Lord, for your word. Your word is precious to me. to read the Amplified in Psalm 65 verse 4 says, blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man whom you choose and calls to come near. Ephesians tells us that he has chosen us from the foundation of the world. Chose, look to your neighbor and say, he's chosen me. You keep you keep reading in Ephesians one. It says that we have adoption. We've been adopted. Ephesians two, verse fourteen, I believe it is. It says it says that we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. That we are now we're no longer strangers or foreigners, but we've been brought into this kingdom. This being adopted into you know, and the amazing thing about adoption is is, is when you're adopted, you're not, you don't adopt somebody because you have to, you adopt some because you want to. That's right. Amen. And and when you have in, in, in the, in a Hebrew understanding of this aspect of adoption, if you understood it from the standpoint is, is, you know, you know, Bryn will be 15 next week. And, and, you know, when he was born, I didn't have a choice. It's, it's what I got. You know, you can't put it back in. You can't do that. (laughs) Can I see what's behind door number two? You can't you can't do that. It's 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 it it is what it is. But yet when you're adopted is not only are you picked and not only you're chosen, but now by law, when you adopted someone, you had to sign a covenant agreement that you were going to raise that child like your own in the natural. You don't do that. So with adoption, you're selected, but it's also a covenant that's made. And so we've been chosen. So here in the scripture, he says, blessed is the man whom you choose and calls to come near. That he may dwell in your courts. Well, God wants you to dwell in his courts. He wants to place a sanctuary In the midst of us. But you know what? It's up to you. Whether you make that sanctuary. A refuge in your life. It's up to you. Whether you're going to lean on that. Or not lean on that. Every day when I wake up. It's a choice. On who am I going to serve. Him or myself. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. Whom you choose to come near. I want you to know you've been chosen to come near. You've been chosen to come near. You're not an outcast. That you would dwell in his courts. And then it says this. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house. The NIV says blessed are those you choose and bring near To live in your courts. We are filled with the good things of your house. Your holy temple. Filled with the good things of your house. Look to your neighbor and say satisfied. By the goodness of his house. Oh, what's in his house? What's in his house? What is in his house? house? (laughs) Whoa, what's in his house? I I remember growing up, I grew up in a town called Easton, Maryland. And and at one time it was ranked the eighth best small town to live in in America. But it was kind of confusing because it was number two in crack use and number one in underage drinking in in the state of Maryland. It's like, (laughs) number, yay. (laughs) And and I remember I had I had uh, some friends of mine and and I remember invited over to this one house and 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 I walked in first we 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 pulled up and it was it was snow and it had been snowing and everything was was a little icy and and driveways were icy. Well, we get to this person's driveway and there was no ice on it. So I looked at and said, "How come your driveway is not icy? Oh, we have a heated driveway." But I'm not talking about just a, I'm not talking about a little drive, I'm talking about like a two football field long driveway that winds just with trees all around it. Get to the house and they had a indoor swimming pool. I'm like, I'm like, um, had a basketball court inside. I was like, it's like, you live here? How come I'm just now coming over? (laughs) I mean, it was a it was a great house, Uh, 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 a amazing house. You know, it was like you, you went in different rooms. They had just refrigerators, and you want something to drink. Every I mean, it was like you, and no matter where you're in the house, it was like it was almost like a press a button, and it was like whatever I wanted was right there. But yet he tells us that we could be satisfied by the goodness of his house. Hang out at his house. I'm not referring just to this building. Yeah, hang out here, but, but I'm, I'm talking about his presence. Are you dependent upon him? Because he is the covenant of peace. We would be satisfied. If you're satisfied, if you ever go to babe's chicken, You eat the chicken, the mashed potatoes, the the string beans, the biscuits with gravy on it. I'm telling you, there's not going to be room for anything else. Why? Because you're more than satisfied. Then you hate yourself. But being satisfied by the goodness of his house, the goodness of his house, the goodness of his house. The goodness of his house in this time, more than more than ever in history, as 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 believers, as the church, we need to find our satisfaction in him, in him. That means that means if if my satisfaction is in him, then my satisfaction isn't in something else. My strength isn't in something else. My 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 desire, my pursuits aren't in something else. And and I believe these are really the things that fuel revival in your life. Go to Jeremiah twenty-nine, eleven. I said I encourage you to go listen to the nine a.m. service, because this is this is definitely different. Hallelujah. But it must have been what someone needed to hear in here. Amen. You know, it's a, familiar, it's a familiar chapter. Well, I should say it's a familiar scripture. It's on a lot of calendars, coffee mugs, stationery. You know, for I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Thoughts and plans of peace and not evil to give you hope in your final outcome. you like that scripture? Oh man, that scripture has changed my life. The first, I think two and a half years pastoring, the Lord said every, every message you preach, you start with that scripture, no matter what you're talking about. So if you've been here a number of times, you've heard me unpack this scripture backwards and forwards. Because to me, it's really what fueled my life and understanding that God had something greater for me than what I had seen in my life. But as it pertains to today, I want you to see that. Why did he say, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you? See, because right now, all you can see is what's in front of you. See, how how is our life shaped? Our our life is shaped by experiences in the past or shaped by our current circumstances. And right now, if if you're not careful, then then you're going to live totally based on on what other people have labeled you what you've labeled yourself what other people have called you how you see your current current situation but yet well, God says for I know the thoughts that I have for you what was he saying why was he saying I know the thoughts I have for you why because they weren't thinking his thoughts they weren't thinking his thoughts so God was they, they weren't thinking and seeing things from God's perspective they were seeing things from what they were going through. They were seeing themselves from the captivity they were in. They were in captivity. They were in captivity and, and I could, I could show you some reasons why they were in captivity. And and part of it was actually to protect them, not to harm them. But understanding this, he, he, he's saying to Jeremiah, he goes, Jeremiah, he goes, "the, the prophets are getting it wrong. And he goes, so, so, so Jeremiah, I want you to write, to them and I want you to read this because because they're not declaring they're not they're lying about me and they are giving fake news and and, and what they, they were saying they were saying saying God was saying look it hurts my heart because because they need to get a better vision than where they're at so let's look at verse thank you father Verse five. He's telling them while they're in captivity, while they're in captivity, he's telling them this, build yourself houses and dwell in them, plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take wives, have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there and do not be diminished. What are you saying? He was saying, look, he goes, yes, you're in captivity, but he's, but don't let the captivity get in you. What was he telling them? He was saying, even though you're captive, he goes, you're still, you're still going to be blessed. Even though you're captive, you're going to, your families are going to get bigger. Even when the children of Israel at the beginning were in Exodus, it said they multiplied more than the Egyptians. And they continue to multiply. Multiply. So here he's telling them, he goes, goes, and I love the statement. He says, you'll multiply there and you'll not be diminished. Meaning even though in your captivity, you're not going to miss a beat. Even though you're in captivity, you're still going to have more than enough. You may see it as captivity, but I see it as an avenue that you're going to be a blessing. And then he says this, he goes, and seek The peace and welfare of the city to which I've caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in the welfare of the city in which you live, you will have welfare. Meaning, meaning your peace isn't as isn't a result of the city. The city is in peace because of you. Meaning this city is going to have peace because you're there. Then he says this, for thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners who are in the midst of you deceive you. See, that's the fake news. Because what were they saying? They're saying, you're going to be in bondage forever. You're going to be in bondage forever. You're going to be in bondage forever. But yet God said, no, no, you're not going to be in bondage forever. He says, pay no attention. Now listen to this and attach no significance to. To your dreams, which you dream, or to theirs? What, what, is the, what picture has the enemy painted you in this season of your life? He, he's saying here, don't let, attach no significance to your dreams, which you dream, or to theirs. So the the is going to try to paint a picture of your future. But he says, attach no significance to it. Meaning, don't let it be the bigger picture in your life. Then he says this. For they prophesy falsely to you in my name, and I have not sent them. For thus thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and keep my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. Why? For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. God has thoughts about where you're at right now. He has a plan for you where you are right now. The question is, are you dependent upon him? Being dependent upon him, Vic. He's chosen us to come near that we would be satisfied with the goodness of his house. Everything you need is in his house. The wisdom you need for your business. The direction you need. The next steps you need to take. Righteousness, as it pertains to who you are and your identity. Joy, which is your strength. Everything that you have need of is found in his house. Thank you, Father. We have to be dependent upon him. We have to be dependent upon him. Go to Psalms 84. Thank you, Father. thank you lord be satisfied with the goodness of his house look at verse 4 blessed are they that dwell in thy house they will still be they will still be praising thee let's look at verse uh, 10 For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. Hold your place there. And let's go to Romans chapter 11. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I believe this is encouraging us. He's building faith on the inside of us. Just these these things are just what these scriptures I just wrote down during worship. And I'm just, thank you, Father. You kept your place in Psalms 84, right? Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 11. Amplified says, for who has known the mind of the Lord and knew has understood his thoughts? Who has ever been his counselor? For who has first given God anything that he might be paid back or that he could claim a recompense? For from him and through him and to him are all things. For all things originate with him and come in from him. All things live through him and all things center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. To him be glory forever. Romans 11, 30, 34 through 36. Let me read it again. I'll read in the King James. It says, for who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be recompensed to him again. For of him and through him and to him all things to whom be glory forever and ever. Everything is in him. Everything. For from him and through him and to him all things. I love how the Amplified describes that scripture. For all things originate with him and come from him. All things live through him and all things, get this, center in and tend to consummate and to end in him. Is he your source? Go to 1 Corinthians 15. Don't disconnect. Hallelujah. God is your source. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 15. Thank you, Lord.
1: Thank you, Father.
0: Verse 9. Paul says, For I am the least of the apostles, and that I'm not me to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But... Meaning in the natural, I'm, I shouldn't be who I am. Honestly, as your pastor, as, as Justin, I shouldn't be up here naturally. Everyone would say you, could never, you never preach because I've been through a divorce. You can never do this. Or you're too shy, you're too timid, and you can't talk right. And the enemy will try to tell you all the things that you can't be or you can't do. What you couldn't be free from. What will never change. But Paul Paul had to deal with those, those, those same thoughts. He says, for I am the least of the apostles, and I'm not even meet to be called an apostle. I really ultimately shouldn't be who I am. Why? Because of my past. And so you could put because of my past, because of what the economy looks like, because of what they're saying here and what they're saying there. But then verse 10 says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain or was to no purpose. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was, what does it say? With can't separate the spirit of grace and the God of grace from grace. Grace is not an object to obtain, but it's a person that lives down on the inside of you. So I am what I am by the grace of God and his grace, which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. See, being satisfied with the goodness of his house as a New Testament believer is understanding that his grace is available for me right now. And it's available for me in my natural life. It's available for me as a minister of the gospel. It's available for me in every area of my life. But will you draw near and receive the grace? He says, I labor to enter. I labor to receive that grace more than they all. Why, why, did, why would he do that more than labor more than they all? Maybe because he understood I, I need it more than anyone else. And it's amazing that this this writer who thought he was least of the apostles wrote two thirds of the New Testament. But yet in the natural, he is like, I, I, really, I shouldn't even be an apostle. But by the grace. Let's go back to Psalms 84. I think I'll close with this. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I love coming to church. You know, when I first met, first met Nikki and heard her talk about church, she said, I just love church. I just love church. She was just so. I was like, she goes, I just love church. I just love church. I love church. Do you love church, Nikki? <laughs> I mean, she, she served under her dad. Her dad pastored the same church for 30 years in Michigan, still pastoring today. But it's, it's like, I, I see, uh, you know, I see our, all of our team, Rick, Rick and Cassie and, you know, Joseph and just different ones, our, our Thrive group leaders, you know, victim. they they're, it's like we love church. But it's not because we love church. We love God and we love people. So, so if you don't, you haven't have an excitement about coming to church, then, then you, you probably don't, you haven't had maybe a greater encounter with church. Because I'm telling you, I would be nowhere without, I would not be alive today without God. I have to be dependent upon him. I'm having to be dependent upon him. I I don't stand up here because I like it. I stand up here because I don't have another option. I'd rather be the, the church grass cutter guy. Trust me. Seriously, I don't have another option, but I have to be dependent on him and you're going to have to be dependent on him. And as we see the day approaching, as we see the the coming of his coming closer and closer, as we see darkness greater and greater in the world, more and more, we are going to have to be leaning totally upon him for everything. But even in the midst of it, we will not even be diminished. Mm. So for a day in your courts is a thousand, better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield, and the Lord will give grace and glory. What did Paul say? I am what I am by the grace of God. And here he says... I will give grace, and for the Lord is a son and shield. Wow, he's a son and shield. He's surrounding you. And I tell you, he is so he is so into you. I just want to be into him as much as he's into me. <laughs> the Lord will give grace and glory. No, can you read that with me? No good thing will we withhold from them that walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusts, leans, depends on him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. We place our full dependence upon you. Thank you, Father. We lean upon you. I thank you for the covenant of peace that we have. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Stand to your feet. Oh, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. He's a sun and shield. He's a sun and shield. And he gives grace and glory. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Father. If you hear today and you would like someone to pray for you maybe it's a healing your body maybe you've been going through a season of heaviness or oppression maybe fear continues to betray your heart maybe the enemy has tried to tell you That this is who you are and this is your identity. And yet on the inside of you, you're like, I don't want that. I don't want it. I don't want it. I don't want it. But but everyone and everything in the world is trying to confirm. Is trying to conform your thought to that understanding. When all the while God is saying, I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you. It's interesting that word thoughts, that's. In the Hebrew, it's where we get our, it's where we get our word machine from. What does a machine do? A machine was invented with a purpose. A machine has, a machine is a, it has, it has a task to accomplish. So when God says, I know the thoughts that I have for you, says the Lord, he's saying, I know why I created you and I know the task that you're going to accomplish. And so if any of those things resonate with your heart and you're like, Pastor, that's me. That's me. I want you to come to the altar. Come to the altar. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. See, revival is about transformation. Thank you, Jesus. Revival. It's about transformation.
1: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Do you
0: have your prayer language? You can pray in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Thank
1: you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. We praise you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.
0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Mm-hmm. Being satisfied in his presence. None of us came in this room today filled with. And fully satisfied with Him, but if you desire to be satisfied on the inside, I encourage you that that I believe things start in the in the in the spirit, and then they manifest in the natural. So breakthrough is a lot of times begins what you're doing inside, and it affects and works its way outside. So you say, Pastor, I, I, I need. I, I want to leave here satisfied today. Just lift your hands where you are and just, just start to worship him. Hallelujah. I believe there's at least three other people that are supposed to be up here. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Where your spirit is, there's liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Rick, you pray for Steve over here. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Eric, pray for this gentleman here. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Summer, I want you to pray for her, please. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 holy. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you. That we'd be totally dependent upon you. Totally dependent with us your house totally dependent which what we find in your presence totally dependent upon the grace of god that as we leave here today we will be totally dependent upon the grace of god as we have that meeting this week that there'll be a there just be a grace that will come into us that that it will be like yes it, it will bring the answer all of a sudden not knowing what to do in that moment or that hour all of a sudden it will just come up within our hearts because that we're, we're we're yielding to that grace we're yielding to that strength we're yielding to that life hallelujah Hallelujah! That we would not be satisfied, but with anything but Your presence, anything else but but Your hand, Your grace. Hey, I still just says there's three more people that need to be up here. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah, thank you, Father. Hallelujah, thank you, hallelujah. Thank you, hallelujah. Thank you Jesus. Holy, 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 holy. May your love, may your love, may your love and your grace, may your love and your grace Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Annette, can you pray for this young
1: lady? Thank you, Jesus. If
0: someone had, I just, and this might be a bold step, but you've been wanting to harm yourself. Now, I'm not saying this over this lady, okay? I'm just, you're har, harming, you're wanting to harm yourself. the enemy, and He wants you to know the peace that passes all understanding.
1: Oh, Father, just refresh, just refresh her, Lord, in Your presence, refresh her. she hurts, Father. Comfort, Father. She misses her sister. Comfort, Father.
0: power of his mind, that all of us, Father, would know that power, that power that comes from you.
1: Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And praise you, Father.
0: Oh, thank you, Father. I receive your grace today, Father. I receive your grace Receive your grace today, Lord. Amen. I receive your grace. Let's say that out of your heart. Faith is in the heart and in the mouth. Why well, not? Say, <laughs> I receive your grace. I receive your grace. I receive the strength it brings. I receive your presence that brings about revival. It transforms me. It helps me do what I can't do in my own ability. It helps me to become what I could not be within myself. I thank you and I receive grace, not just for right now, but for the days, the weeks, and the months ahead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Before I close, Psalms 84, 4 says, Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will be still praising thee. Amplified says, Blessed are those who dwell in your house and your presence. They will be singing your praises all the day long. Can you praise God for a moment? Amen.
1: Hallelujah.
0: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. So if I dwell in his house, it says I will praise him all the day long. When you go to bed tonight, be praising him. When you wake up tomorrow, be praising him. Why? Because you're going to choose to dwell in his courts. Amen. Do you receive this word today? Amen. Mickey, come on out.